Hey, good morning. It's so good to be here with you this morning. My name is Brian Plantis, and I'm one of the elders and pastors here at Mosaic Church, and it's my joy and it's my honor to be able to steward God's word uh, for you this morning. Uh, every summer at Mosaic, we go through this, uh, this series called The Anatomy of the Soul. It's where we walk through the Psalms and we talk about how we can bring our emotional lives into our life with Christ. And so I continue that here with you today as we'll be in Psalm 133. So I encourage you to join me in opening up your Bibles to that passage. Um, I am going to start by putting up a picture of my family. Oh, I even wore the same shirt today. <laughs> my wife Lauren and I have lived in Richardson for over 15 years now. We have two kids, London and Lila, who are 10 and 7. Not pictured in this picture is our youngest. He's three. Um, his name is Moose, and he is a great Dane. Um, Moose is 140 pounds. He, is, uh, he eats about 20 pounds of food per week. Um, he, when he drinks water, you will see that only about half of it ends up in his mouth. The other half of it ends up on the floor in a puddle of slippery drool uh, or on our walls in Moose's room. And yes, Moose does have his own room. Um, you know, one out of every two mornings, you might hear one of my daughters scream across the house, Dad, Moose is eating, and you could fill in the blank with any number of things that Moose might be eating that morning. He has been relatively destructive in our home. Uh, he tears apart many things, and when he does, Lauren is very quick to remind me that this was my dream dog. <laughs> this was my ultimate decision. And, you know, there, there was one particular instance that brought about uh, some conflict in our house. It was when, um, Lauren, or when Moose tore apart our couch, our nice leather couch, and Lauren's parents are in the room today. This was a very nice and generous gift from Lauren's parents to us. And uh, Moose decided that he would tear this uh, couch apart. And, you know, we end up working through things like this. We end up working through the conflict. We still have Moose. And we still have that couch. Um, and it's not going away until Moose does. But, um, you know, there... There are countless things that we could differ on and we could have conflict about in our households, in our community, you know, with the relationships that we have around us. This illustration is really just to kind of highlight that. But we in our family have a unity that bonds us together with something far superior to those differences in that conflict. And so the big takeaway that I want us to get from Psalm 133 today is this, that in the midst of our differences, the family of God enjoys the blessing of a superseding unity because of a greater conviction in Christ Jesus. Now, if you look at your Bibles in Psalm 133, it's titled, A Song of Ascents of David. These songs of ascents you'll find in Psalm 120 through 134, there's 15 chapters in the Psalms known as these songs, songs of Ascents. And these were songs and hymns that were sung by travelers that were making uh, this pilgrimage to Jerusalem for one of three great feasts every year, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And the Israelites 
would come from afar and they would join together as a unified family in Israel as they came to Jerusalem. And they were singing these psalms and these praises of hymns to the Lord, about the Lord, and about what the Lord had done for them as an encouragement to them on their long and often, often long journey. And David is said to be the author of four of these psalms. And we find the story of David in First and Second Samuel. And the, the story is long and complex. So I'm going to try to summarize a lot here just shortly. David is a shepherd boy. And he becomes a warrior when he faces the great Philistine giant, Goliath. And he, and he slays him. He takes him down. And he becomes the favorite of a king, the king of Israel, Saul. And, and as David grows in popularity amongst Israel, and as he grows uh, as a great warrior, Saul becomes jealous of David, thinking that he's going to try to take the throne. And Saul's jealousy leads him to become consumed with trying to kill David. And for years, David is fleeing and hiding and fleeing and hiding and going uh, into separation and division from his people, from, from his family. And as he separated, even, even after Saul's death, Israel and Judah are divided in their loyalties to David and to Saul. And again, I'm summarizing here to keep it short, but David is recognized finally as the king. And when he is, he restores this unity to Israel, and he's restored to his family. And I imagine it's at this point where David is looking out amongst the tribes of Israel, amongst his people, and he's singing this song of praise about unity. So let's take a look at Psalm 133. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, as an aside, I, I gave my life to Christ and fo started following Christ as a Christian my senior year of high school. And as I entered into college, I went to the University of Texas in Austin, Hookham. And when I did, the Lord was very gracious. He was very kind to give me great Christian friends and relationships, other men in my life that would disciple me, that would walk with me to learn how to study scripture. And in my sophomore year, I joined a fraternity called Brothers Under Christ, Bucks. How many other Bucks brothers do I have in the room with me today? Any other? I see some hands. All right. So if you were in Bucks, you'll remember this verse, Psalm 133.1. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brother, when brothers dwell in unity. This verse was required to be memorized by every fraternity brother. In, in Bucks, it was the purpose statement of our fraternity to establish brotherhood and unity among college men based on the common bond of Jesus Christ. And this verse that was my memory verse for so many years in college and since I've remembered it since then, as I studied it and as I spent time in this psalm trying to apply it to our life in Richardson and to Mosaic Church, it's taken on even more significance for me. And so I want to take a look and explore these three verses. David opens his psalm by saying, behold. When we see behold in scripture, we should have our ears perk up. He's saying, hey, pay attention. 
Watch out, I'm about to say something of some significance that you should be applying to your life. And what is this thing that's so significant? That it is good and pleasant when brothers dwell in unity. Two important words here used to describe unity. Good, meaning that it's something that God expects as part of his design. And pleasant, meaning it is enjoyed and it satisfies us. If brothers dwelling in unity is called good, then we know that unity must come from God. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. So when good things we know come from the Father, and what God calls good is what is intended by right design. In creation, we see this. Uh, on the creation account, everything that God put in place, he called good. It was right by design. So he is saying that the unity between brothers is what God intends for brothers to have, what he sees ought to be between brothers. What God expects is the duty between brothers. It is right and it is good. But if it was only our duty, dwelling in unity may seem burdensome. So David compliments good with what? Pleasant. That's right, pleasant. While, while God sees unity as what should be, we also experience unity as pleasing to us, what's enjoyable and lovely and satisfying. So unity is what God intends for his people, but it also is what satisfies and pleases his people. So what is unity between brothers? Well, in the time of David, it would have been, uh, it would have spoken to the tribes of Israel, being of one accord together, God's chosen people living amongst one another, Israel dwelling together as one family under the covenant of Abraham, Abraham's descendants that would be blessed to inherit the promised land in which to dwell. And David sees this, and he sees Israel dwelling together in one accord, and he's looking at this unity, and he's calling it good, and he's calling it pleasant. As Christians, we are united in a new covenant, a covenant of grace in Christ Jesus. Theologian J.I. Packer describes Christian, Christian unity as acknowledging that all of us are sharers of the love of the same Savior and the power of the same Holy Spirit and the worship of the same Heavenly Father. And being together in that brings us together as brothers and sisters in a single family with every other Christian in the world. So in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, unity speaks to being of one family with God as the head. And unity can be seen throughout all of Scripture from the beginning to the end. Unity is seen as Father, Son, and Spirit, one God, breathing creation into existence. Unity is what man and woman were created for together in the garden. Unity is what God promised to Abraham in his covenant. It is what the prophets prophesied about. It's what the psalmist sang praises for. It's what the Proverbs give wisdom for. It's what Jesus prayed for. It's what Jesus' death accomplished for us. It is what Paul had pleaded with the church for. It's what John sees in his revelation for all tribes, tongues, and nations. This unity is what David sees, and he says how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in this unity together. But we cannot talk about unity and dismiss division. 
And it's weighty and it's burdensome because we live in this tension knowing that unity with our brothers is a good and pleasant thing. But when we look around, we see and we experience so much division in this world. Division between nations, division between Christians, division over politics, division over race and ethnicity, division over doctrine, division over school choices, division in our families, division in our marriages. And I'm not just talking about outside the walls of Mosaic Church. I'm talking about us. We are in, becoming increasingly okay with dismissing one another and devaluing one another and looking at Facebook and Instagram and our politics and our media to shape our hearts towards one another more than the, God, the, the word of God. As I am seeing that when division exists amongst God's people, it deprives us of our witness and our ability to minister to one another as a family of Christ. It causes us to retreat from our relationships more than press into them. It tears apart our marriages and our families. It keeps us from being vulnerable with our brothers and sisters to experience this vulnerability and fellowship with one another. And division is not the same as conflict. Like I said about my family earlier, conflict is going to exist. Division occurs when we have conflict, but we don't allow a deeper agreement to overcome our disagreements. I'm going to say that again. Division occurs when we have conflict, but we don't allow a deeper agreement to overcome our disagreements. You see, unity our oneness is not necessarily having to agree on all things in our life. Our oneness is not based on uniformity. It is not based on our commonalities or our circumstances, our preferences, our political views, our location, race, ethnicity, age, socioeconomic status, profession, or anything else materially or horizontally in this world. Christian unity is based on our oneness in being in one family with God. That amongst our differences, we are first children of the Father, saved by grace in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And there will be plenty of things that we can disagree on in our relationships, in our families, and in the community around us. There will be conflict, but we will have a deeper agreement as the family of God, and that will never shift. This blessing of unity, it stems from grace, and it flows down from the vertical relationship between God and his children and it flows down and out into our horizontal relationships with one another. In verse 2, we see a picture of this, this unity through grace. David says, it is like the precious oil on the head that's running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. There's three things to see here. This oil is plentiful. It's not just a dab of oil on the head. This, this oil is enough to be poured out on the head and we see it flowing down into the beard and down dripping onto the robes this imagery of grace flowing down from heaven in plenty and the oil flows into the beard and onto the collar God's grace is abundant and so shall it be between brothers and sisters in God's family this oil is precious it's the same Hebrew word used for precious is, we, is used for good in verse 1. So this is the good oil. It's a holy and anointing oil. It says it flows down into the beard of Aaron. Aaron 
is the father of the priestly tribe of Levi. So naming Aaron here would be symbolic of a holy anointing, sacred oil used for anointing the priests. So unity is a precious, good, and holy thing. And this oil is pleasant. This oil smells of perfumes. It smells of spices and myrrh and cinnamon. It's refreshing to the senses. It's an oil that would be blended by the perfumer, says Exodus 30, 25. It's refreshing when brothers dwell in unity, just as the oil would be a cooling and refreshing perfume to the one who receives it. And David is providing this picture of brotherly unity that flows down from above in plenty, and it washes over us and then beyond us in a holy, good, anointing, pleasant, refreshing way. Another analogy for this is used in verse 3. David says, it's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore. Mount, Mount Hermon sits about 200 miles to the north of Jerusalem. And it's a mountain range with peaks of about 9,000 feet above sea level. And because of its great height, Mount Hermon collects a great deal of precipitation for, for another area that would otherwise be very dry and arid. And because of its great height, if we were to imagine Palestine as a head, Hermon would be at the top and Zion would be at the collars. And so this dew is just like another example of the oil. It's another example of the brotherly unity flowing down from above and out and through this grace that runs through the land. Dew in a dry land brings fertile soil. Earlier I talked about how division in the church and in our homes can diminish and deprive us of our witness and our ability to minister to others. But on the flip side, brothers dwelling in unity can increase our witness that we have with our brothers and sisters, with one another, and with the world. When I think about the land of Palestine in comparison of the oil flowing down over the head and onto the robes, I, I think about this dew starting at the mountains and just pouring out over the land as this good and pleasant blessing of grace and of unity amongst the people all the way through the promised land of Zion, going out across the tribes and all the people to be united as brothers dwelling together. And I want to encourage us today as we take these things and apply it to our own lives, there's, there's three different areas that I, I think that we have to apply this in our households, in our church, and in our broader community. If you're married, I want to plead with you, seek unity in your homes. Seek unity with your spouse. If you feel divided from your spouse, put everything aside to pursue your marriages. Being an elder has opened my eyes to the number of challenges and, and struggles that we have in marriages in this, in this congregation. And for every story that we know, there's another story that we don't. I want to encourage you to, to bring yourself into the light. If you're struggling in your marriage, come talk to an elder Join in community with one another so that you can encourage and edify and give input with one another so that your lives can be open and seen. You're not alone. I want you to seek community where you can be vulnerable. And if you're like me, it's, it's very easy to put my own desires 
and my own needs and my own expectations before those of my bride. But Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And I pray that we would model this in our homes, with our children, with our spouses. If you're single, I want to encourage you to seek unity amongst the closest of your Christian friends, your Christian relationships. Consider this your household of faith. Strive for good and pleasant unity that Psalm 133 speaks about. In your relationships, seek to encourage and to edify and to experience God's goodness together in deep community. There are far too many folks at Mosaic that are struggling and going through trials and suffering alone. And we're made for community. Paul asked the Galatians in in chapter 6, he says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Seek unity amongst your households of faith. Bear one another's burdens. Come alongside of one another. As a church, let's not be so self-consumed that we miss the opportunity to join in fellowship with one another. To minister to the others in our congregation that need it. There are many issues that the church can be divided on. But let, let's look beyond every other difference that may exist in our body and remember that we have a deeper agreement based on being one family in union with Jesus Christ that unites us. Paul exhorts his church in Colossians 3. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complained against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Let's work to model this in our church, this unity amongst the church where we are growing together, that we are giving together, and that we are going out together. We'll allow for the members of Mosaic Church to glorify the name of the Lord in our neighborhoods and across Richardson. And so as that United Church family, lastly, I want to I build unity in our broader community. And we do this through evangelizing and ministering to our friends and neighbors with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we are united as a body of Christ, we can go outward with one another as one family and provide great witness in our community that can be powerful. I can't help but think that we are on the footstep of a revival in Richardson if only we would turn our eyes outward from ourselves and be focused on our neighbors and our, and, and our streets And we can look at the people that are in our communities and we can say, we want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, these lonely and lost individuals that need to hear the gospel. This could be the first opportunity for them to hear it and for them to join in unity with us as a a body of Christ. I want to be the early church in Acts, where in chapter 2 we see this, and I'm going to insert some words here. And day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, Mosaic Church received their church, received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number in Richardson day by day to those who were being saved. I want that to be us. I want that to be our body that is going out amongst those 
who are lost and who need it, that we would have seek unity in our church and in our homes so that we have a powerful ministry to the body or to our community in Richardson and with one another. And so I want to pray today to that end. I want to pray that Mosaic Church would look like that, that church in Acts. And so let's pray together. God, I pray for Mosaic Church. Would you unite us as your family? God, we ask that your grace would flow down upon us like the precious oil and the pleasant dew from Hermon and outward into our homes and into our church and into our community. God, allow us to model love and grace as a family united amongst our differences and our conflict and that this would be our witness that we would be here as one family, as Mosaic Church, apart, set apart from the world, and that that would be a good and pleasant thing for us to dwell in unity with one another. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, every week that, every week that we conclude our sermon,